popcorn rice like to discuss. Want to know some more fun facts? Isn't it awesome to see some of your favorite content creators and favorite people, honestly, you follow here on this app? Be a part of this amazing community called The Nerd Initiative. Welcome to Fandoms, a show from every fan's point of view. Brought to you by the Nerd Initiative Network. Here's your hosts, Tony and Michael. All right, well, uh, episode three of, of, of season two, and we are ready to get going. How are you doing, Michael? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing okay. So if everyone knows, hey. we're going to have Will Wilkins on, and yeah. we're, we're, we're going to bring him on. And I don't know, I don't know if this is something we're going to consistently do. Um, but we've got introductions. And so I want people to, to share their thoughts about these introductions. We did one for Nelly last week. We did one for this one, because if not, we'll just bring on our guests at the beginning instead of starting to do an opening of it. Um, but, uh, cause we're always trying to change and do something different. So, um, let's go ahead and welcome uh, will to the show. Me. No, you're kind of nervous cause I'm talking so much. Huh? I have way too much time on my hands. Welcome, welcome, Will. How are you doing? Well, personally, I think the introductions are amazing, and I think <laughs> they should continue, especially every ah. time I'm on. Oh my gosh! Uh, by the way, I'd like to personally thank you for uh, choosing the moment my uh, puppy decided to uh, eat my face off uh, as that uh, part of the clip. That was very nice. Thanks. I I could not not include that one. I remember sitting and watching that as it happened live. And it was hilarious. And of course, like I'm, I'm going through like, like through your stuff. And of course, if anybody doesn't know, um, let me go ahead and give a proper introduction. This is Will Wilkins or at that Will Wilkins on, on pretty much everywhere else. You'll he's also that, know him as the Will. host. What's that? I said he's that Will Wilkins. He's exactly. that Will Wilkins. Um, he's also the host of the NetHead show. If you want to go ahead and give him a follow and check that out, subscribe to his channel, um, him and his uh, co-host Trent, um, and sometimes me, um, will talk and wax nerdy. Um, and, uh, he's also the, uh, CTO, the chief Techn technical officer, right? Is that how we go with it? Chief technology officer. If it involves there we go. technology, it involves me. Yes. Of, of Smodco, um, which if you don't know, that's, uh, that's the, uh, podcast network that Kevin Smith has started and it's been running for a good long while. In fact, how long has net net has been going? Oh, NetHeads itself. That uh, well, that was technically speaking, I believe it was around August or September of 2011, and I only know that because Kevin wow. Smith had launched his streaming radio network on May 9th, and that's how I came into things because I essentially built the live streaming radio studio that he built in his living room. Well, he didn't build it; I did. So that's how I came into this, and then it was sometime shortly after it launched when he's like. Um, are you going to do a podcast on the network? It's only fitting. And so that's when I converted my news. No, not uh, what was it? Radio Askew podcast over to NetHeads because I figured it would be really 
a little too douchey to be doing radio askew on Kevin Smith's network. Now, 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 Kevin or now, Will is the. Um, you were also the, the first person to say douchey on the show, so congratulations. On you're that. welcome. Yes. You're yeah, thank thank, like thank you so much. My eight year old is learning new words like every it. day. Um, but but Will is not just. I mean, like Netheads is not even the start. In fact. I hate this. I hate to say this to you because I, I don't want to. I don't want to carbonate you too much. But you're kind of like the granddaddy of streaming services on the internet. And go ahead and can you talk about the first thing that you really did online and how that started? Because this is something that I remember as as well. I'm not going to say anything because I don't want to make you feel old. But but go ahead. Talk about this first little experience kid. online. Remember little kid, Tony. Uh, well, I was um, a teenager with my AOL account that I, you know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Once again, I'm going to now be using a term, which is kids. I am, first of all, you're probably going to have to Google the very reference I'm about to make. But uh, I am the the Ed Wood of, of, of internet streaming, I guess is the best way to put it. Because I just won't stop and I keep making content no matter what. Uh it actually, the, the story, if you want to hear the most complete story that ever existed, it's actually a story of completely failing upwards continuously. You guys want to hear that oh, or you want to hear yeah. the abridged version? Hey, we're here for it. Yeah. All right, I'm just making sure because, you know, suddenly your, your, you know, typical maybe, let's say, 84-minute podcast is going to get blown out of the water if you give me free reign. Um Way, way, way back in the day. So we're talking about uh, around 97, I would think, 1997. At the time, a radio celebrity that I enjoyed, Alex Bennett, had been taken off of terrestrial radio as part of the paving of the way of Howard Stern coming into San Francisco Bay Area radio. And I say that because he got paid not to be on the air for a year. During that time, he had good friends at a company called Play Incorporated, and they somehow, they saw that there would be some type of synergy between their products and stuff Alex was trying to do, because he had popped up a little area of his own uh, website where listeners could submit a podcast idea, or a, a show on demand. Podcasts weren't even really a thing then. And I came up with one called uh, Shows on the Road, where I was literally recording it into a laptop while I was driving. I know it sounds terrible, but I would get everything set up and then just start recording and end it on the other end. That ended up leading me into somehow getting, because it's the internet, getting into a beef with another person that was having shows posted, which drove me into video to match the fact that they were doing video. Because of what I had done, the people at Play Incorporated had taken notice and said, Okay, we're getting to the point where ordinary people can do video now. Um, and I think your idea of doing a TV-based network may work. So I was one of the people that was brought in to play TV. And next thing you know, I'm streaming out a, uh, a television show, essentially, from my garage using green screen uh, and it's starting around 1998. Uh, to the wow. TV network. Naturally, being a person who is experiencing tech for the first time, I wanted to make sure I could get everything I could out of it, right? So mm -hmm. one of the things that was happening at the time, Kevin Smith, it was around the time that pre-release of Dogma, and he was doing a special board screening of the movie 
for people. So now I had actually leveraged the network and its potential resources to be able to get in on the press junket for online at, for Kevin Smith's movie Dogma. And because I landed that, I then convinced the company to actually send me back east for the uh, screening. At that point, Kevin started to know me as the streaming guy. And so I wow. did one favor for him where he was trying to do a test show and he wanted to expand the audience as much as possible for KLSX in uh, L.A. Mm -hmm. And it was like the Kevin Smith show. So I got him streaming on that. And then I've interviewed him, you know, a few times through the years. Like when I, I had my short-lived show on uh, Comedy World Radio Network. Uh, which was actually the first time I did NetHeads. Uh, I repurposed all of that stuff uh, for the new NetHeads on Smodco because I had the things laying around. Cool announcer, saying my name, saying the show name. Perfect. Uh, anyway, he came to know me as the streaming guy. So when Kevin wanted to set up a streaming uh, radio network, I got my name came to mind. And the rest, as they say, is history. I forgot even what question I was answering. Or were we just talking about my entire <laughs> no, history? That's no, that was that was exactly it for me. Okay. Yeah. No. Like the whole play TV and the whole advent of that, and kind of like like it was it was. If you think about it, it really lays the groundwork for you know for streaming shows and YouTube mm -hmm. channels and you know everything that we're doing now. I mean, this is only has only been possible because people took the step to try something new with a new technology. Mm -hmm. You know, and so you're kind of the pioneer for it. And I hope that doesn't make you feel any older. I mean, we can get you one of those, you know, Daniel Boone hats and stuff and wear that around. But, but really, I mean, you kind of like, you kind of like helped birth this. I mean, I was, I was at least part of the learning curve of the industry. There we go. I, let's, I think that might be the most accurate reflection. Uh, you know, I, I contribute like at the time, as I said, this was like 1998, 99. So like when we would stream out a show, there was no variable bit rate and picking whatever would stream better on your device. You could choose through the, for the 56 K connection or the 128 K oh, connection. Wow. I think maybe we had pushed it uh, because every one of us were uh, first time users of getting DSL in our area. So Mm -hmm. uh, it may have been something a little bit higher than that. So there weren't great streaming options anyway. The only good copies of any of these things uh, are probably rotting away in a garage, uh, in a box in my garage from the horrible heat that we've got here. But I do have a box of SVHS tapes of the Will Wilkins show on Play TV. And oh, it's a box of, it's like a box of crap. Is that like where your nerd initiative hat is? Oh, no, no. The nerd initiative is in the shed play. where all the good stuff goes. That's where oh, the Christmas gotcha. decorations are. So in my house, you know, that is a place of reverence, my friend, because <laughs> I, I need an entire shed for Christmas decorations. Um, but yeah, I, 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 there were some contributions, I, I guess, is, the, is a good way to put it. And I've always been involved. Every one of these things, as, they, as they've occurred and happened, because like when I mentioned Comedy World, I ended up coming in as uh, the director of content, but then I ended up consulting as well on video streaming. So there was video streaming there too. And, and it's interesting it, to kind of have lived through these different phases of the internet and i think tiktok for not right now for me is kind of the culmination if you will of that story because it 
puts micro broadcasting literally into the hands of everybody. So anyone has a potential to find an audience out there. I think it was uh, Joel Hodgson's on Mystery Science Theater 3000. He had made a reference uh, in a documentary about the making of the show that he off that he says, you know, we're not worried about everyone getting it. We just know the right people will get it. And from there, an audience would be born. And that's that's like everyone's potential right now in all of the different ways that you can just stream from a device in your hand. It's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of uh, awe inspiring in a way, I guess, yeah. when you when you reflect on it that way. But it's OK. You know, I'm, I'm entering the stage now where I'm just going to start telling the same damn stories over and over. So better to be on and on the beginning part of it instead of the sad decline where everyone's saying the story right along with me you're getting yeah. good practice at it though um, there we go is there so i mean it's funny I, I i'm not as young as i look so know that i've been there and have been around for a while as well so i think i think actually tony's the the youngest on the show right now so uh throw hold, on, hold on wait 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 Let's just go ahead and throw it out there because I, I mean I I admit that I may be the old, youngest in this show, but I don't want anybody thinking like I'm, I'm in my thirties or anything like that. Like I'm I'm forty years old today. This this actually as of April. So okay, so we got 40. still the <laughs> now. Let's move up to Mike Rothman. Go ahead, sir. I am, I, I just turned twenty six last week, so I, I am. Uh, it's great. I can rent a car now. I, I, there's a lot of cool things I can do. No, I, I'm forty two. Forty two. Okay, so you're not that much older than me. I'm like, forgetting my age at this point, which is bad. So, see, and and I get to I get to proudly state that I am the new fifty-two. There you go. You don't look a day over fifty-one, so you're you're good. You're fine. right. It's the Lex Luthor babyface effect. <laughs> but I, <laughs> what I was segueing in there was: Are there things that you are nostalgic for that that have gone away? Like I. And this is a weird memory for me, um, and so I won't I won't hijack it because it's a question for you. But I remember early on, like when I first started to work, having to wait to go to work to check my email. I remember far, that far back, and I even so far as I remember not having Wi-Fi in my apartment and getting home, and I think I had to respond to an email or do something. So going down to the gym in my building because they had Wi-Fi and bringing my laptop on and checking my emails real quick. Oh, there's something I had to answer. And then going back up to my apartment. Are there <laughs> things that are nostalgic to you that have, you know, you mentioned VHS tapes and things like that. Are there things that when you first started working and started doing stuff and, and even cutting edge stuff at the time that you think about that are gone now that you, you look back fondly? I, uh, a lot of my memories of tech are always going to be related to, of all things, Bay Area rapid transit, the uh, commuter trains here in San Francisco Bay Area. You know, they're they're nice, they're cloth, some were dirty as hell. Thankfully, I haven't had to ride on one since 2016. Uh, but I'd always be, will be tied to those trains because uh, I remember the rise and fall of the early broadband mobile, uh, yeah, mobile broadband modems, uh, like Rocket something was one of them. And, and these were the people that were trying to have connectivity on the go, which is something we just, you know, I'm like, oh, I better make sure my hotspot is on so my daughter's iPad will work in the back seat. You know, that's where <laughs> we're at now. 
But before it used to be this redonkulous looking dongle that would have to be, everyone would always, uh, you know, like practically duct tape, if not glue them right to the back of their laptop. And it's got two ridiculous antennas. Uh, But, you know, that was, but that was still always, no matter how ridiculous that even looked, that was always the point in my life for a long time that I wanted to obtain that level of, of information and availability mobily. Little did I know that what it really did was created a bad blur line between business and personal. And you just, mm-hmm. we're all too reachable now. We mm-hmm. can, we can be obtained too quickly. And I'm guilty of it too, because like uh, my other co-star or co-host with uh, on NetHeads, like I, I get aggravated at times at the turnaround time communications wise that I have with Trent. But it's because we just live totally different lives. He does his thing, and it doesn't mean being tethered to your phone. Whereas that's practically all I am now. Like, if I don't respond mm-hmm. to Tony in five minutes on a text message, he probably gets worried because that's really not a typical behavior of mine. Because he texts me like, he'll text me like right after I, I message him. And then all of a sudden we'll be in mid conversation. And then it'll be like three years before he messages me back. So I'm like every, every four hours and you can look at it every four hours. I'm messaging like, are you okay? Are we okay? Is everything all right? Did you like go off the road? Did Benny eat you alive? Yeah, it's, it's all good, man. It's all good. (laughs) I just, I, we're all too, we're way too, I little did I know, like really careful what you wish for, because I am just way too available or accountable to too many damn people. Yeah. But listen, I'm always, I'm always most important when it comes to, responding back like listen it's not even just you michael is the same michael is the same way like i'll i i I just know not to expect a response back on sundays so which is fine (laughs) why why, what is sundays i don't know it's the day you don't respond to me is it like uh, i wish it was kind of saturday though because it could be like i don't roll on shabbos well that's what i was gonna say i was just about to say i'm a terrible jew i don't know what the day is like the day of the week that Orthodox, it's Sunday. They can't drive. Or is it Saturday? I think Will. It's Friday night into Saturday. Yeah. I'm a really yeah. bad. I'm a really bad. I can't Jew. roll on Shabbos. Yeah, I can't do it. I'm <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. I just I just realized I'm on the back burner sometimes. I think we're. I, romance is not working for me. To follow up what Will was saying, and I, I agree. I think we are so tethered and handcuffed to our, our communication devices that for Same me, the three guys talking to one another on the internet right now. Basically, uh, <laughs> I I just think um, I'll go through I'll go through spurts, and I think we all do this too, right? And so if I don't ever respond, or sometimes I just kind of like want to unplug. And there's so many different platforms now. So you you know there's Discord, there's messaging, there's there's you know Messenger on different things, there's Instagram, there's um, and I think Tony is one of those ones who loves to to mix and mingle he loves to pepper in all the different platforms um so he sent this invite here he sends it on discord <laughs> then I'll text you and be like hey well hopping on in 20 minutes but then i'll get uh, sometimes i'll get an instagram message and he'll be like hey this is the video i was talking about and I'm like, I, it, you're like wait what is going on and so i think that is and this is not aimed at tony i think sometimes i will 
you go through spurts and then you kind of have to do a detox and <laughs> like a, even a mini rehab of like now i'm very tempted to do like a red string board tracking board of like okay so first tony reached out to me this way on this platform but then at 408 he ended up messaging me from that platform but that ties back to i see a pattern forming and and we'll 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 numbers this thing yeah. 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 I listen, whatever happens is I typically message with whatever platform I'm on at the moment. Um, <laughs> whenever I send these invites, I always send them on discord, but then like I, cause I, it, sometimes I'll try to text them because I'm thinking, Oh, you know, you can, you can join. Like if anybody doesn't know we're on restream. And one of the cool things about restream is you can send the links to your phone and you can actually add your phone as a camera. And, and so like, I think like, Oh, maybe it'll be easier for some people. And, and then the only problem is that when you send somebody like um, th- you send an invite for on the camera on, on their phone, like gives if they keep it in vertical, then it's just going to look wonky the whole time or, mm. you know, whatever else. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of being cross platform, but that's just how it is. But when you mentioned 56K modems, like, I'm sorry, I wasn't as as well off. I had the 14 four. Um, I had to go wait until somebody threw something in the, in the, the dumpster. Cause I was a dumpster diver computer builder. Um, but I think my favorite thing about that era of like the early night, like mid to early uh, to late nineties um, was when you upgraded your computer and something didn't work because it was always not going to immediately work. Whether you installed a CD-ROM or a sound card, because computers didn't automatically come with those things. Like most games like Duke Nukem, when it first came out, was just like a was just like the internal uh, speaker that was just making this repetitive noise. But if you wanted audio, you had to actually install. And remember, Creative Labs used to have those CD-ROM sound sound card. um, They called it the Sound Blaster um, kits where you could install on your computer. And so I remember putting it in. I had this adult who just told me that, oh, it just doesn't work. You're going to have to return it. And I remember I was laying in bed after he left and it just dawned on me what the problem was. And I'd get up in the middle of the night and I stayed up for four or five hours putting in the, in this section and putting it in that section and connecting this connector here, because there, the, those instructions were, were like five books, you know, in depth. And you just, you learn, you learned how to use technology because it wasn't going to work and you were gonna have to figure it out. And I, I, I kind of miss that nowadays. Like building my computer was way too easy. I know this is a family friendly show, but I, I started laughing because you were talking about sound blasters and you kept saying putting it in. So I was just like, five okay, minutes okay. Laughing. sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's all right. I, feel no, like I get it though. I mean, I, as a guy who constantly still fiddles and dwiddles the tech, I completely get it. Like back then, if you got a sound blaster card, then instead of having your CD-ROM go from uh, there to the motherboard. Instead, now you needed to get it into the Sound Blaster card to make sure that you could hear it and do this and that. And and even to this day, it's still just like, I just wanted to switch out the memory. How did I accidentally unplug a hard drive? What What is going on? So mm-hmm. I get it, man. It's 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 both easy, but still, still it's got its quirks, even today. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's like it's like I was messaging Will not too long ago, asking about whether I should up, upgrade to uh, Windows 11, and everybody on the internet tells me no. But Will's like, "Oh, I've already been doing it." Yeah, I've been running it. Windows 11 this whole. Like, I'm an idiot, man. I didn't even know. It's like, oh, at some point I just upgraded to it. It's fine. It works. You know. I still got Millennium Edition. It's doing great. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's hanging. Dude, no, I'm using Windows ME. <laughs> I am so old. 
I shouldn't say that out loud, but still, I am so old. <laughs> I li- sorry, are, is that Discord noises coming through? I don't hear. We don't hear. Okay, good. Thank goodness. It's probably just it. the voices in your head again. That's all right. I've got those all the time. Um, Like literally, I remember my favorite version of Windows. I have a favorite version and it's still Windows XP because at the time it was just a solid Mm -hmm. workhorse. It had a refined user interface and it was just clean and it worked well. And that was the one that everyone resisted moving away from because we were going to skip over ME completely and, and go to the next phase. How old are I already said I'm 52. Thanks. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it's just yeah, I, I I'm so old I have a I have a favorite version of Windows. Speaking of that, we always ask about nerd origin stories. So I'm sure it's gonna be something around the time of like, you know, World War II with Captain America. Because <laughs> he was there in World War II, is that what you're or Marvel Comics One? What was it like when that came out? Like like were you incredibly excited with you know timely and what they were doing um no seriously what 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 was your one of your first fandoms that like stuck with you and how did that come about um it's always been spider-man okay and and that's very focused it's like you know it wasn't marvel it wasn't dc um but i was a very visual child so I grew up watching uh, the 66 Batman series a lot in mm-hmm. syndication. Um, so I always liked Batman just as a concept because it imprinted on my young brain. And when my young brain was still developing, there was a television show at the time. Uh, I think it might have been called The Electric Factory. And in that, it they had these educational interstitials but spider-man never spoke he only spoke in word bubbles and so it would be these little spider-man segments so i'm like as a kid i love spider-man and then moving on to me watching way too much television you also get into uh the what is it that was a 60s uh cart spider-man cartoon that also originally came out that gave us the fabulous theme song and everything else. Yeah. So I, it's it mm-hmm. that was always ingrained in me because these were the media that I consumed. But then, like the solidifying moment was when, of all things, I was at a Seven Eleven right before having to go to a doctor's appointment, and you know I asked my mom, "Hey, can I just go get a comic?" Because for some reason, I just wanted to go get a comic book. And the one first one that I grabbed was Secret Wars. I'm, I'm going off memory here, but I think it was Secret Wars number eight. The original Secret Wars from the 80s. Oh, wow. With wow. the black symbiote costume wow. on the cover. Because So that's the one where Spider-Man got the, the symbiote costume. But at that time, it was just a cool, tricky black costume that now its behaviors could have been written off to nanotechnology, but then it was just really cool so that was that ended up of course leading me on a journey into the comic book store so i could find out well wait a second he's getting this new costume here and it's actually already been in the comics before he gets it here so i ended up going back like through amazing and spectacular and all the other spider-man titles to at least the point where right before the transition from the old red and blues to the black and white so that's kind of like what first drew me in but also being a child of media and watching way too many things um 
I've always really been big on movies. So that's kind of where you start getting the intersection of Star Wars into my life. And, you know, I, I feel like the original Star Wars trilogy for a lot of people from the 70s and 80s mm. um, had such interesting concepts and we had such young enough minds. It naturally sort of became a religion of ours as well. And mm. like no matter how bad the prequels were, at least it was Star Wars. We at least had that. And then think whatever you want about the final three movies, but it was still Star Wars. And now mm. we're in this candy land of Star Wars where... You know, we get dark and gritty and medium of the road and stellar and what is happening. So there was that. And then also, once again, through television, my my last passion, other than the Back to the Future, because that's cinema too, uh, is Star Trek. Because, you know, it, as I was growing up, it was already in syndication. So, and, you know, I just was always drawn to it. I don't know if it was the campiness or it was just something with them in space. So... That drew me in. So that's, those are like all of my my things in a uh, in a basket o nerd, if you will. What what it, the blender of nerd that molded me? I love that <laughs> man. You you're just sitting here listening to you talk. I remember Seven Eleven used to have the comic book stand. I re I remember that so vividly. Like because that was my thing. Like I I used to read the um, the Ninja Turtles comics, and like that was the only place you could find them. I think it was like Tops did them before IDW even was really a thing with them. Um, and like, there was like this own variation and, and you'd go, cause like it was right next to the arrows or the blockbuster and you'd go there, get the movies, go get a comic book and get some snacks. And that was, that was a typical Friday night for me in my childhood. Yeah. The old spinner racks, man used to be a thing. I know we were just talking about that recently too. I with somebody and it was like, my first comic I ever got was Fantastic Four. I forget the number. Uh, if I saw the cover, I would know it. And I got it at like a, a pharmacy. I remember being with my mom and being like, hey, can I grab that? We, and that like, that was it. It was done after that. And so you don't have, we don't have those experiences. And, and that's what people are missing with the digital age. You don't have mm -hmm. that. You know, I remember, you know, again, um, I, Tony, I'm a little older than you, so I, you know, I, I you probably don't remember this. It's too, it's I'm just kidding. Yeah, those in those two years, those man. Days, those days, those, those two, two years, years are like a decade. Come on, go ahead, throw it on me, see if I remember. No, but I mean, no, you, you do. Um, but I, 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 I miss the times where, and I think Dan Jurgens talked about this, where um, he realized the death of Superman was such a big event, even though you know we can look back and and whatever that era was, that he thought it would be. Some comic shop in Minnesota would be like 10, 15, 20 people. And him and, and Brett Breeding are driving around and they get to the comic shop and there's a line down, you know, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to get in to meet these guys and get their autograph. And, and you know, and this I remember waiting as a kid for those things to come out. And oh, there it is. There it is. This is my first comic. This is what got me into my nerdum. And I literally I was I, the comic has been worn out from reading it, but I've still got all of the stuff with it. Dude, wow. the, um, the woman that I now call my wife went so far as to actually try and get me one of those, which is the, you know, what anybody that knows anything about anything suddenly says, yes, that's the reason why she is your wife. And that is one of them. But I remember two things about that that was a like a monumental event that really it 
it's the first time you were hearing about comic shops in the news in a long time. Mm-hmm. But it, it also, I know it, it brought in the era of the Superman and everything, but the other thing that happened along with that, that was kind of, I can't remember whether it was the reign of the Superman or it was the um, death of Superman itself, but one of those two buried in, in, in from in almost uh, in obscurity the entire nightfall saga where you know gotham uh, or uh, not gotham arkham you know the walls of arkham are blown open and all of batman's foes are suddenly released and comic by comic he's having to take down villain by villain on this one night and then we learn that this was actually part of a mastermind plan by somebody else who uh, you know, is is just doing this to wear him down. So then, the final confrontation, it'll be easy peasy. And that was the bane and the breaking of the bat, and like mm-hmm. another monumental thing, but almost totally lost to anyone that wasn't paying attention because the death of Superman kind of cast a cloud over everything. They were back to back. I remember them being very very close to each other. And mm-hmm. I was a I was a big enough nerd that I was focused on both, but. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's 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 crazy to think that they were so the juxtaposition was so close back then, because I mean, movie back then movies were out for six to nine months. Now it's like two weeks, mm-hmm. and so it's oh yeah, it, it's amazing that they did that. It was you know, I remember I remember this drove like it just inspired me. Like I wanted I wanted all of the comics leading up to it, um, and when you talk about Reign of Superman, I remember. My mom went to Price Club before it was Costco and they had a box set of all of the initial Reign of Superman in those cut out the die cut covers Mm -hmm. with the different logos on the chest. And I remember like I wish I still had them. Those got worn out, too, and got eroded. And but I'm, I'm telling you, like, like that just inspired me. Like I was into it so much. And then you saw Superman come back with a black suit with the silver emblem, mm. um, and like and the mullet. Real, Don't forget the mullet. The mullet, yes, the beautiful, yes. gorgeous, flowing mullet was epitome of the nineties. And then but, somehow he became electricity. What guys? Sorry, <laughs> it, this, as the story continued, it, you know clearly the, all the good writing was up front, and this was the cleanup stuff. But anyway, I digress. I will yeah. say one thing real quick, and then, you know, Tony, we can move on. But I will say this, um, and I'm not very – it's Friday. It's Friday night. I'm not as eloquent as usual. Um, <laughs> who's kidding? I'm not eloquent ever. Um, the fact that you wore those things out is exactly the reason those things exist. So mm-hmm. that's actually a beautiful thing that you said because you don't – you do not hear that anymore where everything now is in a piece of plastic. Um, it's kind of a beautiful thing to hear the fact that you like warts of the nubs. Um, and that doesn't happen anymore. And we, you know, there's always stories of the reader copies that were in barber shops of like amazing fantasy 15 with the covers off and, you know, Spider-Man one and, uh, and all that. But uh, yeah, I just, I, that caught my ear and that was, you know, I, I shed a tear inside when you said that because that's a that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and it was funny because I, I had one of those those big long containers and it had all of my comics from like all of my X Men comics, my super, my Spider Man, 
um superman and then i had like the whole like a whole bunch of like the star trek run that they had uh, um i was a big i was a big um jurassic like park Golden fan Golden was that was a star trek I, th- I think so i th- yeah it was like yeah and then a, a lot of the next generation ones um I I would get I would get those packs that you would get at like the mall where it was like the you can find them at Ollie's now if you're looking like for multi like the blind packs. Pinnacle packs I remember those yeah yeah yep. and and like you 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 get like re- some really cool like you get some really good X Men comics in there and then you had like like Octonauts or something and you're just like whatever and and I just remember like all of my comics were in there and none of them were taken care of well. But like I would pull them out of, from under my bed and I just open up the container and pick one up and just start reading it again. I never knew what happened down the road because we weren't we weren't able to like get every comic book run that came out as an adult. Now, that's why I think it's amazing. Yeah, Marvel Unlimited has done a lot of great things, but like there is something about when I go to my kid with my kid, like just this last free comic book day and he's able to pick up and go through stuff. And then you see like in his backpack is just a wad of comics. That's and like he'll cut blah, and he's like he's not really interested in reading all of them, but he'll go through all of them and make up the story as he wants to go. But that's that's something he does. Like he has his own comic stack, and and I almost fear, and I, I think of it this way: it's it's kind of like comics are at some point going to go the way of Pokemon cards, where there was a time when you just enjoyed them, and you enjoyed them for what they were, and then we're now in a time where people are. Like you have these grown men that are coming in and taking like heaps of cards to where when I go to pick up one for my kid, it's not there. It's the, the shelf is empty. And thankfully the comic book shops always have issues of comics. They're never running out of them, but I sometimes feel like we're so focused on the collecting of them that we forget that there's great stories written inside. So the hype has heard it. I mean, with limited drops and, there's always I, I on Instagram, if you follow it, there's always like the FOMO books, you know, like Spider Boy recently was like the most recent one where everyone's like, I'll sell my kid for a copy of, of Spider, the first Spider Boy or whatever. And, and I mean, it's literally what is happening. And I think it is. Look, I think it all comes in cycles. And I think, um, you know, not to get too philosophical, but the reason things are valuable and rare is not because people made it that way. It's never, you can't, you can't engineer that. It's because people, very few people had the foresight to keep these things, you know, well. Yeah. And I was having a conversation and it's funny, uh, paperweight, um, Derek, I'm literally retreading all the stuff we talked about last night, but um, a little, a few things, uh, some of the things that we, and I, I, I'm fascinated by pedigree collections because there's a very, um, and I'm, I think Will can relate to this, just kidding. But there's a very specific type of person who keeps a collection, um, you know, in the shed with his nerd initiative gear, but like very, very well kept. And you have Mile High, you have the Twin Cities and other places. Those are those are one in a million people that have the foresight or maybe it's the OCD to keep it in such a way that it, it doesn't get touched and moved and and that's the reason, you know, those things are valuable. Most people read it and enjoy it and whatever. And so when you try to engineer value, it's, it's never going to, you know, that's what happened in the 90s. And, and you know, look where our, you know, look what happened for 15, 20 years after that. So I think things yeah. go in cycles. So. Well, it's like a lot of people say, you know, if I only would have kept that nice. Well, everybody feels like that way. Like, oh, if I would have really kept that Secret Wars uh, issue really nice, it'd be worth a lot of money. No, it wouldn't because every if everyone would have kept it nice, 
there wouldn't have been a demand for it exactly. because it'd still be in circulation. Um, and I think that's the thing. Like, I think it's rare because those were popular and people use them and read them like this. This has, this has only got sentimental value for me. It's got pockmarks on the, on the front from use and it's worn on the side. I don't even know what the grading would be, but I just love the fact that I've kept the extra stuff nice. And mm -hmm. for me, this is important. This is a thing. And it's, and this is not even a slab. This is something that I can open up and I can read. Cause I've read this even, even recently. Um, it's, it's almost like anytime any, someone on TikTok asked me if I like DC comics, I immediately like, I want to go back and read that again. And, and, and I want to <laughs> say this, like um, that fracking cat um, said, I still have it bagged. Um, buddy, right. don't ever open it. Cause you're going to be sorely disappointed because those bags were toxic to the comic. Yes. And if you have mm -hmm. it in mint and you open that thing up, it's going to be completely black because they just, they, oh, it's not good. I, I have a, and I think it's an amazing Spider-Man number 400. I can't remember which one it is. It's the first appearance of Venom. And oh, it, and it, uh, would the outside looks great but i don't know what happened on the inside but there was some <laughs> color transfer between the pages i think and oh. uh man that's depressing oh uh miranda janelle also mentioned her beanie babies um it, you know I, I i got some in the garage too maybe we can combine our our collections or something i mean i'm sure you've already got that princess diana one but uh, you know i got it too they are worth something though um it's just like someday like five um, bucks right <laughs> well no, no okay so they were valuable until they stopped this is random valuable. this is random and i'm full of random facts so it's fine so we are friends with you know the guys at golden auctions and they just got a show you know the the king of collecting or, or whatever i mean they, they get insane stuff insane stuff but the if you watch on Netflix the first episode, a big segment is about the Beanie Babies, and like you said, they bring in someone brought in like one or two or three of the Diana. They're worth like five to eight hundred dollars a piece, depending on the value. But there was weird. They brought in an expert, and so someone, they they you know it's it's kind of like a Pawn Stars or a, a road uh, an Antiques Roadshow, and so they brought in mm -hmm. someone who had a huge collection, and they brought in an expert, and. Will, you might know more. I, I don't know about this, but like, obviously comics, it's, you know, the corners, the covers, the 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 pages, you know, the, the stuff like that it was cards, it's the, you know, the corners, the edges, the cert, whatever. The, I was shocked. It's like the way the Beanie Babies sit and like, you don't want them slap. I'm, I'm, I'm not even kidding. The expert was like, yeah, they, they can't be slouching and you don't want this and you want like, it's, it was, it was, it was, you know, illuminating to watch this so if it for you know at, for miranda go check out it's on netflix now that first episode they bring in it and they talk about beanie babies for a, a solid 10 minutes yeah no if they oh, yeah. sit if they if they're hunched over this way then long term you'll get a crease and it's probably i can already hear it it's not good for your metabolism either your stomach starts to you know you don't want to sit all day you want to have a standing desk and stuff like that so same thing with beanie babies you, you can't have them like I, I don't know. They, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not, not making this up. It was an actual thing. I swear. People working out being sure. babies now. People are trying to bring, bring the market back, I guess. Um, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Um, we've got some uh, movie review or movie uh, suggestions from Pooja. Um, some Pooja's picks. And then we'll be back with Will. 
Hello and welcome back to Pooja's Picks. My name is Pooja and I'm here to bring you the latest in movie news. Let's get into what's playing in theaters now and what's coming soon. A teenage girl wants nothing more than to be part of the human world, but her kingly father is overprotective and forbids her from fraternizing with humans. She finally gets the opportunity to be a part of that world, but at the cost of her beautiful voice. Sound familiar? It should. The Little Mermaid is Disney's latest addition to their collection of live-action remakes with Halle Bailey as Ariel, Melissa McCartney as Ursula, Javier Bardem as King Triton, David Diggs as Sebastian, and Jonah Howard King as Prince Eric. The film looks absolutely stunning, and after hearing Haley's voice for Ariel, it has solidified my belief that she was the perfect choice for our favorite red-headed mermaid. For those wanting to kick off their summer vacation with some horror, the Boogeyman is here to satisfy that craving. After the passing of their mother, two sisters struggle to cope and grieve when their father, a therapist, fails to give them the support that they need. After an unexpected patient drops by to seek help, a malicious supernatural entity is left behind that attempts to feed off of the family's grief. The film is based on the 1973 short story of the same name from Stephen King. So if you love yourself some Stephen King, this might be for you. And finally, the sequel to the critically acclaimed animated film Into the Spider-Verse is almost here. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse reunites Miles with his best friend Gwen, only this time they are both thrown across the multiverse. In the process, they meet other Spider-People from different universes to build a team against a new threat, forcing Miles to reevaluate how to protect those he loves. The first film is one of my absolute favorite films of all time, and I am so excited to see what this sequel has in store. Also, how can we not celebrate the introduction of new spider people like Spider-Woman, Spider-Punk, Spider-Man India, Spider... well, you get the point. Thwip thwip! Well, that's all that I have for this week. Be sure to tune in for the next episode for more of Pooja's Picks. Until then, back to Tony and Michael. I'm I'm surprised about the Boogeyman movie. I didn't even know that one was coming out until yeah. it was like just I, being talked about. I was gonna say the exact same thing. I'm like, what? All this stuff what? That no one, yeah. All well, and it. also somehow, even with everything going on, I'm kind of oblivious to um, into the Spider Verse too because I, I don't know what it is. Like, I'm I'm like, ah, I'll probably be able to get tickets Sunday morning. Whereas like a Marvel movie is like Thursday first yeah. showing. No one can screw anything up for me. I've already heard. I mean, like, oh, so they did. So they did something different. They they did a an, an advanced early screening um, with a lot of content creators. I think it was like just the last two days ago. Mm -hmm. um, and they invited a lot of people in LA to to go do that, um, which they're doing. They did before the premiere even happens because the premiere is, I think, next week. Um, and so uh, a lot of good reviews. I've I've heard a lot of people saying that it's like The Empire Strikes Back in a sense. Oh, wow. And so it's kind of like you don't what you think is going to happen is not going to happen. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. Um, it's definitely gonna be one of those ones we have to take the kid to go see because um, he loved into the spider verse. And so yeah. um, this one, of course, this is, I think this is a two part. So it's like, yeah, it's a, and it's across yeah. the spider verse this time. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it, but it, yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh no. I was just going to say it's, you know, it, when the moment we heard that it was going to be split into two parts, I'm not surprised it would have, um return or not return of the empire strikes back tones because it's like you're 
you're actually finishing up or you're halfway through the second act in the story technically so yeah. it's not going to be a very uplifting moment no i also feel like did anyone else get vibes like i was talking about this last night also <laughs> retreading on everything i've anyone else get uh multiverse or not uh, no way home vibes as far as like miguel o'hara 2099 from some of the clips i've seen and i, I know you will you'd mentioned that you you haven't really kind of and i haven't paid attention i've only seen a couple of the clips and it, mm -hmm. it, it's weird it resonates when you said that to it it kind of dawned on me i'm like yeah like we're always so like analyzing everything when they're live action and for some reason this movie which is by the way the first one's an oscar-winning movie it's going to be a great movie mm -hmm. we have been kind of relaxed on it but um uh, Miguel O'Hara, 2099, seems to be kind of taking the Doctor Strange role in one of the clips I've seen where, you know, he's basically at all costs, you know, save the multiverse and Miles, you know, is the classic save everyone. And so I, I that I think, yeah, that could have a bad ending. Maybe it's well, you know, also, it's interesting because um, Miguel O'Hara in the I mean, Spider-Man 2099 um, even makes a reference to Doctor Strange in in earth one nine 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 and says how he messed things up. Um, so they reference they reference, I think they referenced no way home specifically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And a lot of people have also mentioned that there's like images that you're seeing that you'll see where um, it says across the spider verse and it's got not only it's not only got miles Morales, but it's also got the Toby Andrew and um, Tom Holland, Peter Parker's as digitized people. Well, you know, so, I, I now realize why I'm not as concerned. It's because with animation, you can literally do anything. So yeah. anything is possible. So yeah. in a world where anything is possible, then, you know, there's only so much. But, I, but you know, I'm but The just... chance of seeing Spider-Rex, like that, I mean, that just... Like if you haven't seen the yeah, short that that, that, that was the weird so thing fun. Seen, and you saw you see a thwip and it's it's a T Rex tiny T Rex mm -hmm. that was like, and then the kid and then Spidey Cat that that spits the web like I yeah <laughs> that is literally my favorite trailer teaser or clip that I've seen in years. I mean we always get excited about these big movies that come out, but just for something that like again on the same storyline of of us not stressing about it either and having fun with it. That clip, just like I, I think I watched the, the the Spidey Rex thing over and over. It just makes me smile the way he's like jumping and leap. It, it just it's it's great. It's Let great. me tell. I can't even imagine what and because these are all the things we've already had the world look at and identify for us. Um, I cannot even imagine what else is going to be in this movie because I will tell you the first movie has all types of little visual gems all mm. throughout it, including my favorite one. When they are leaving the cafeteria, there are two great visual moments. At the moment, it, you know, everyone in the cafeteria realizes there are spider people here. Everyone is quick to, like, whip out their guns and everything, but there's one woman sitting at the table that's just me every Monday because she's just like, I. she just quickly does one of these and puts her head down because it's like, I just want to have my coffee, and now we got to deal with this. <laughs> Mere moments after that is the literal action sound of bagel, if you notice it. Because as yep, yep, when you throw the bagel, Parker, it hits the guy in the head. It says bagel. Two of the greatest little uh, visual gags that I didn't even pick up on until however many viewings in. Not to mention how many times Stan Lee is is in the movie. It's a uh, 
I, I can't even imagine what they're going to do with the new one. And I'm really looking forward to it. But like I said, I bet yeah. you I can still go online and get tickets for Sunday morning. So, well, it's, it's all the memes. I mean, like, like the entire, like entire spider verse doing the, the Spider-Man pointing meme, mm-hmm. like uh Spider-Man, get him. And it's like, who, him, him, yep. you, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, um, we have one more segment to do, and then we can kind of touch on some uh, our opinions on a couple of things that have happened this week. Um, but we've got uh, Nerd Tween, who's going to share his opinion of, of Ted Lasso. So here we go. Hello, everyone. Let's talk about Ted Lasso. The f- second to last episode of the season and the series is out right now. And if you have not seen it, you might want to go ahead and uh, skip on out of here because we're going to get into spoiler territory in three, two. One, are you here? What an episode. Uh, Mom City is probably one of the best episodes of the entire series. It will make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you cheer. It has everything you can possibly want in a episode of this amazing show. Uh, We have seen time and time again how amazing this show is. Uh, it, from start to finish, where you look at the directing, the acting, cinematography, just everything is just absolutely top notch. This is a master class on how to make a fantastic television series. Uh, but in this episode, it really highlighted Phil Dunster, who plays Jamie Tart, um, Jamie Tart, who is absolutely amazing character that has such a great arc in this series so far, and. This episode was him really coming to terms with who he is as a person and becoming the best version of himself. And the acting and the chemistry between uh, Brett Goldstein, who plays Roy Kent, uh, Juno Temple, who plays Keely Jones, and uh, Phil Dunster is just absolutely fantastic. It goes through his uh, childhood home uh, and you just get to see everything you learn more about one of the best characters in the in the entire series coach beard who was played by brendan hunt to a masterful degree it just had some of the the best moments in the entire series i loved the conversation that ted and his mom had uh it was just heartbreakingly beautiful i can't wait to see the season finale it's going to be absolutely amazing i'm sad to see the series go but at the same time i mean it's been damn near perfect so you kind of just got to give it to it i only want to make one prediction is that the goalie who has been going by van damme this season uh has a mask on his face and was making fun of him how it looks and he was absolutely fantastic saving every goal there could be in this episode i predict He's going to paint it black and go back to his actual name, Zoro, but they're going to call him Zoro in the season finale. Um, it, this, this show is just top notch in every single way, and I can't wait for the next episode. So, okay. I I just found out today that the next episode is the last one, and it really... I... It's really sad. I'm going to miss the show so much. And then you have Succession 2 ending tomorrow uh, or Sunday. Sorry. We're losing two great shows in one week. And like, is it the last show for good or is it the last show of the season? Series okay. finales. I mean, we, we knew I knew Succession. And again, I don't like in a world where information is everywhere. I don't know how I missed and my wife missed that Ted Lasso. Like I honestly was literally doing well, something and i saw it and i texted her and i was like did you know the last the next ted lasso is the last episode and she's like absolutely not and so we both kind of lamented 
and had a little cry and then now we're like okay this is it like i mean to be fair uh, all of the scuttlebutt is there's always been a back and forth about will season three be the last season mm -hmm. And, you know, Jason Sudeikis would say be noncommittal. Uh, the guy that plays Coach Beard, it was very, nope, we had a we had a vision, we had an idea, and this story is told in three seasons. So there's been a bit of, you know, will they, won't they kind of thing all along. But, you know, I think they did announce at the beginning of this season that uh, it would still be the number of episodes that we're accustomed to. However, this time... Like they would be longer than traditionally done, which is pretty much what happened starting with the penultimate episode in the mm -hmm. second season. That's where we graduated kind of beyond the 32 minute mark. And then it started creeping into the 40s and 50s. Yeah. So we're still, yeah. we've still gotten, I mean, we, technically speaking, we've gotten twice as much Ted Lasso this season than we normally get. So it's almost like we're getting two seasons worth yeah. of stories. Unlike the other show that just ended, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which really, if anybody watched the last season of that, and suddenly, like, all of the nerddom is like, Marvy Mitty Whitty now? But um, <laughs> great show on Amazon Prime, but uh, it, it, it came away feeling more like they had two seasons worth of story in mind mm -hmm. that they had to cram into one season that they were given to finish it and uh i mean it, it still finished well it just i think this final season got hindered almost by the fact that it was the final season mm. yeah yeah i'll be very honest with you guys i have not started watching ted lasso and it's mainly because i didn't have an apple tv subscription for like most of this time so i may go into it i tend to like to binge things and you know, that's just kind of how it goes. I've also been stuck on Crunchyroll too much. Mm. Um, Yasin has been a bad influence on me. And so, like, watching uh, anime has been to the point of excessive. If I'm not watching Marvel, I'm watching anime. So, it happens, man. I oh, envy to, go ahead. I was just saying, I envy you. I mean, I, I think you're going to, you will get around to it, I'm sure, at some point. And again, with the, the current state of, of TV and streaming, like, there's no necessity to stream anything at, you know, at any time. Um, unless it's, I guess, like in continuity, like Marvel and you need to know what happened, but when you do get to it, you're going to enjoy it. And it's, it's just, I need to go back and start it from the beginning, not for the storyline so much uh, as just like the wisdom that's in there that they fit in. And I'm always, I'm always impressed with stuff like that. I think this season especially has been amazing as far as like the content they've covered in such a light way. And, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I think other shows that have done that, like Peacemaker um, in a different way, much more <laughs> humorous, you know, maybe more yeah. like X weird rated kind of situation. But rewatching it too, Michael, you're going to get to enjoy the journey of uh, probably realizing more of the, this show, uh, Ted Lasso, it, the writer's room is amazing in their ability to call back previous things. Like this last episode alone had so many Easter eggs that are references to things either said or spoken about in like all the way back to season one. Because Jamie Tart admitted he had a Roy Kent poster on his wall. We got to see that. 
Ted said, you know, there are two things I'm certain of. One, do this and and don't accept a, can, a, a, a butterfinger from such and such kid because he did something. And then in this episode, his mom's like, hey, did you guys hear about the time Ted ate a such and such? And it was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, it, it, it's a it's an amazing writer's room and they're they're doing the lord's work and i really think that they're also in my opinion analyzing it from the structure of story they are definitely setting things in place where we may get more from the because everything's a universe now we'll get more from the ted lasso universe but it just may not be centered around ted lasso this was ted lasso's story and next, it may be either someone else's story, or it'll be us following AFC Richmond more, mm-hmm. and it'll become like you know, race. I can't remember what the blood greyhounds, or something along those lines. Yeah, the greyhounds. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that's that's what'll happen. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. There's, I mean, there's there's a lot more story to tell. You know, when it comes to like Nate and Roy Kent, and you know, even even Jimmy Tart. I mean, so yeah, you're, you're right. I, I think. There could be some really, I, I, I do think it's going to be, and again, no spoilers, right? Um, uh, I do think, again, Nate's story is one that's, that sticks out to me that I think has a lot of legs to go. Uh, mm-hmm. and there's a lot more to uncover there. So, um, yeah, it's going to, I, you're going to love it, uh, Tony. You're going to love oh, it. By, by the way, and I'm sorry to interject, but speaking of streaming things and, and performing to stream them, did I hear that uh, when Echo comes out on Disney Plus, they're going to drop the whole series at once? Really? Yes. Am I the only one that heard about this? Yeah. So they're they're releasing. Um, um, Secret Invasion is going out weekly. Um, Daredevil is going to be out weekly, like um, like the rest are. Echo they're releasing in November, all at once. Like all of the episodes are going to be released at one time. I wonder if that's the one. Um, I wonder if that is going to be the uh, the them testing it out to see if there is any greater or lesser benefit. Because I know I get angry every week when it's a weekly show, especially considering yeah. they've got to adhere to some particular time in some particular place instead of just like you know what, just release it at six o'clock in the gosh darn evening for us so we're all not killing ourselves because you'll get a clamor of people watching at eight o'clock. You'll knock prime time off of prime time and you'll you'll exude a dominance that, you know, people aren't expecting in this industry. But no, they've got Tony staying up till three and me staying up till midnight. <laughs> you guys are nuts with that. Um, I mean, I think it was didn't, with Daredevil and Punisher and, and the early Netflix shows, they used to drop it all at once, right? I mean, right. right. Yeah, Netflix, yeah. Netflix with Marvel Television, um, all of the Netflix shows did drop it once so you could binge it. Um, but uh, but yeah, for Disney Plus, this has been a thing because I think that I think the big pull for for Disney Plus to have it out episodically was the idea that either you had to wait until all of the episodes dropped to get a trial subscription or a subscription of Disney plus then. Cause a lot of people were like with Mandalorian, like they would wait until Mandalorian dropped everything while everyone's talking about it and having a great time. And then they get it. Once the episode, the season dropped, they binge it all at once. And then mm. they cancel it after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I think it's a little bit different now. I think, I think that's also was off of Chapek's, um 
uh, watch when it came to Disney Plus, and we already know that there were some things that were not done appropriately with Bob Chapek. Um, and uh, with Iger, it could be his his doing to try to see how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate, I will just say this though, I hate when they use um, either an indigenous or a person of color and their story as the experiment. Um, it can be that you can, you can imagine it that way, but I don't think in this realm, it takes away from that story because if anything, it just means everybody's going to get to watch the whole thing at once, but it's not going to have as long of a life of, of conversation. I think as things like Miss Marvel did or Falcon and Winter Soldier, because like with Loki, you know, TikTok and YouTube and everything blew up with like speculations and, what do you think this means? And you could like really dive into it before the next episode hit. But don't oh my God. But can you remember what TikTok was like? Uh, this is a, I'm now devolving and telling stories about recent media. But seriously, when WandaVision came out, that was, in my opinion, that was the moment where the TikTok subgenre uh, of content creator discussing content really kind of hit now of course it is because i'm interested mm-hmm. in it and the algorithm gave me what i wanted but i i really feel like there are some people that launched into the stratosphere off of like the ability to just speculate i mean everything was mephisto but but all of the speculation <laughs> and the talking about the media in this communal method in tiktok fresh into the pandemic it was like it was like a perfect storm that created yeah. some personalities if you will but don't, for Tony's point, don't forget with Miss Marvel, they, and this is under Chapek as well, but they made that, I, I think, the grave mistake of putting that out and putting out Obi-Wan at the same time. Um, and Obi-Wan, which I mm-hmm. thought was a fantastic show. And so it, I don't think that let Miss Marvel breathe as much as it should have either, because I think Miss Marvel was out like Wednesdays and Obi-Wan was out Thursdays or something like that. I remember it being super close to each other and it just didn't give it time to really for people to kind of, you know, dive into it as much as they, they should have. So it, now, I loved all... Obi-Wan, but I was so focused on Miss Marvel. I had to wait until Obi-Wan was done to kind of go back because I think we started watching Obi-Wan on Stream Lounge and then we had to drop it because I was consumed with Miss Marvel and we were like, yeah, which do you pick? You know, that's a problem. I think that's, I mean, no, that's- no yeah, it was really a problem because we would watch Miss Marvel and mm-hmm. then everyone else would go to bed and I would watch Obi-Wan. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I'm telling you, you like, you know what? When, when, when the baby comes and you're like going to be like awake and not sleeping, you just need to join us, a stream launch with us while we're, we're doing yeah, it. I'll so join you. And then you guys will see me falling asleep as I'm <laughs> like, you'll be like, that's okay because then we'll talk crap about that's you on the stream lives. That's fine. Myself, yeah, that's fine. We do it just like we used to do to Johnny all the time. Listen, listen, Donovan usually is like asleep and he misses the episode, and we'll talk crap about him on the recording because we know if he goes back and watches it, he'll see it. That's but weird. we're like, yeah, he he's probably sleeping. Yeah, exactly. It's because we love him. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go ahead and touch a cut a couple things before we uh get, yo, Blake, what's up? Um, let's there's a couple things that came out in um, news this week, and I don't want to go through a whole bunch, but I just want to get our thoughts about it. So let's touch on a little bit of nerd news. Um, I've only got four things, so let's go ahead and t- let's touch on the first. 
Um, with the writers strike, the WGA um, Writers Guild of America strike, um, we discovered that Ryan Reynolds is back to the mouthless Deadpool because he is a member of the WGA. He cannot ad lib right now while they're in production. And so as long as the, the writer strike is happening, he cannot ad lib anything to. And we, if you know anything about Deadpool, yeah, he's 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 a writer on this film and he can't do anything. And a lot of people are like wondering what this is going to mean. I really just think it means they need to postpone, you know, any more production, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. until it's over. But what do you guys think? Well, we already knew that this was going to be a problem because there is, as you mentioned, there's only a very minimal amount that he can do before it's considered writing new media mm-hmm. for the project. So we already knew this was going to be a problem. And then after the news came out, we found out that like the majority of the takes he's involved in, you know, they get one in the can and then he goes nuts. And that's usually where the content comes from. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he is feeling very, very stifled. But I think that there is a lot more at stake right now than just Deadpool 3 making its market date. So I'm more than happy to have him muffled. And I'm more than happy to have this project completely stall out for now if it has to. Uh, because what's going on with the WGA is far more important. You know, yeah, without absolutely. the words, we have no entertainment. Mm-hmm. And people need to be adequately... I hope my taking a position on this isn't uncomfortable to anyone, but, you know, it's, it's there are very clear and salient points. And I remember the last WGA strike. And at that time, you know, streaming was discussed as a thing that from a writer's mm-hmm. perspective... Uh, you know, it was just, oh, it would be a five-minute streaming th- thing on YouTube. So compensation for that work wasn't really mm. considered. But now you've got people that can write on a Netflix project, and they get paid once for the writing, and it can be streamed and resold ad nauseum, and there's no compensation. So, And with the way streaming is now, mm-hmm. the writers would get a whole lot of a bigger portion Mm-hmm. Um, if they really put in equate how much it was actually played, because with 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 network television, it's whenever it's in the syndication, how many times did they play that episode? And then what was the ratings for it? You know, they get a, a portion of that streaming. There are things that people binge and watch over and over again. And if you think about even like with like the streaming services for Marvel like shows and properties, um, I can tell you I have watched episodes over and over again just for making content. Mm-hmm. So like it is something that should be considered. And I personally, I also remember the last writer's strike. Um, I remember how it ruined like an entire season of Smallville. Um, and like, that was like a, that was a, the show that I loved watching and you could feel it when the writer stopped writing. Like it was very evident that there was something missing from the show and where they should have. And I think they shortened the season because they couldn't go any further mm-hmm. at one point and they should have just stopped. And I think the best thing to do would be to stop, and to do and and let me pause this real quick because actually I didn't put this in the right order, um, but because of the writer strike, Thunderbolts has halted production as well. Good. So Deadpool is in production, but there, but Ryan Reynolds can't ad lib, which I think that should be a deal breaker. Um, but but Thunderbolts has then done it, and some people are speculating this could be because they've started production, they've realized they really need to do some fixes to the script, and of course. They can't do that until the writer's strike is over. But 
again, either way, as much as we love these films, as much as we love content, people should get proportionately what they deserve for the work that they do. And, you know, it's, it's just like, I think when Scarlett Johansson sued Disney for releasing black widow on streaming, because she lost a bit of the royalties for what she was being in her contract, mm -hmm. you know, streaming killed that for her. They had to go back and they had to go back to the table. And of course a lawsuit had to happen. And so if you don't understand these writers work hard, um, there are there are there are mutuals that I have on TikTok that are, are aspiring writers, and it is super hard to get into the industry. And people will tell you your work is fantastic, and then they'll pass. And so when you get something written and you get something like accepted and put on screen or on stage, you should get the respect for that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm not I'm done preaching. Sorry. It all comes back <laughs> to giving voice to the voiceless, right? Like I think I saw I, I posted and 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 had seen the clip of uh Mark Ruffalo, you know, joining and you know, he talked about AI a little bit as well. And I, I think we're in it 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 is a good time for this to be happening because we are in a we are in a a, a changeling error and situation. You know, I, I felt it a couple of years ago. Um and I'm going to include all people that aren't considered talent, right? Like I think cast and crew, I think, you know, writers, I think all that, I think everyone should be considered talent. Like that it, it, it's silly that like, Oh, it's people in front of the camera or directors or whatever, like the, this different class situation. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember the first time it really worried me was Mandalorian season two. When I found out that Mark Hamill didn't do the voiceover work for for Luke. Um, sorry, no spoiler. It's been what a year and a half, two years. Sorry. Guys. Enough, yeah. But like the fact that they used AI to generate his voice from, and they're going to do it for James Earl Jones. I think that's for a different reason because you know, James is 92, 93 years old. And, and he signed the rights off for that as well. Yeah, like, it wasn't yeah, like a chill. It's different I mean, it's for Hamill. Uh, Hamill is a, for people that don't know, he's not just Luke Skywalker. We all probably know on the show, like a very talented, borderline iconic voiceover actor you know joker i mean the guy is amazing and so to not and i i think he's pretty he's always one of those guys that i think he'll keep it to himself but then it'll eventually it'll come out during an interview it, same thing with La, the the last jedi came out he, his 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 opinions will eventually come out i think he was quiet about that whole thing he did but it it spoke volumes that he also didn't say much about it either and he usually promotes it because i remember that the end of mandalorian season one when he appeared or, or yeah season one he tweeted i'll never forget he was like anyone see see anything good on tv so like mm -hmm. he will the fact that he didn't say anything when he appeared i knew something was up and that scared me because it's like where does this lead to and so i think the same thing goes for the writing and streaming and all these new technologies that we have these companies got to just treat people well and and pay the people that make these things go well i i just i, I can't believe we're still having we're going to continue to have this conversation for decades to come and it's just well, so frustrating every time a company can take advantage they do and so it's, you know uh, this this will all be over because i think sag aftra is are they're in talks about striking but it'll definitely all be over when the dga the directors guild of america if they decide to join in because once you take directors out of the picture, mm -hmm. there is no picture. That's done. There's yeah. somebody's got to direct. That's the rule. So 
it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And if anyone watching this or listening to this uh, wants to find out more about this from a writer's perspective, I know this is a little self-serving, but if you go to Kevin Smith's uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Kevin Smith, and you look at Fat Man Beyond episode 399.1, it's them all talking about from a writer's perspective uh, what the w WGA strike is about. And it, it hits mm -hmm. on like the points I made, Michael, the point you made uh, that Ruffalo brought up about AI and its mm -hmm. use. There are a lot of important things on the table. And, and it helps really make it uh, real from the perspective of the writers that have voted and supported the strike. You know, because there are writers, people that have written prolific things in Hollywood that are aren't aren't able to keep food on the table because of the way the industry has been restructured. So, and it's out. and it's and it's even a, it's even a deeper thing because if you you take it to other other industries, like we're, we we talk about comic books, and you know it's the thing that we're we're really into. The artists and the writers for the comic books that we love do not get. There is an entire organization. There's the Heroes Initiative mm -hmm. um, that is specialized on trying to help people who have been in the industry of comic books for writers, illustrators, anchors, everything to, to just be able to survive because they don't have pensions. They don't have retirement. You know, there are, there are guys that are in their seventies, eighties and up that are still doing the convention circuit, you know, doing commissions because they're trying to survive and there, there needs to be a better, you know, way. Cause I mean, back in the day it was, you did, you did, you got paid per page or you got paid per frame or whatever it was. And you, you, you see these guys that are their, their, their panels are on that are being recreated on movie screens. Their stories are being retold into movies and they get nothing for it. Mm -hmm. They might Lord, get Thor, I think, Thor I think, Thunder, man. Yeah. I love Marvel. I love yeah. Marvel, but I think they give them like a $5,000 bonus for their, their story being used in a movie. That's awful. And it should be so much more. Um, but but James Gunn has even, you know, he's put a halt on some of the stuff for for DC because, of course, he's the writer for uh, for Superman Legacy and some other stuff. And so, you know, of course, it's going to stop those things. And we should not be upset that those things are stopped. We should be upset that those people are not getting the proper pay. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, I, it goes without saying I stand with the, the, the WGA. Um, I think everybody in this, in this, this show does, um, everyone should get their fair share for the work that they do. Um, and, uh, with that said, was there anything else that you think, Will, you would like to talk about before we, we, uh, we head off? Oh Lord, man. Don't give me any more of the microphone than you should. Haven't you learned that by now? <laughs> yeah. It's just been great. Cause I can kind of like steer it. It's yeah. I like it. No, well, no, no, not really. Okay. I mean, my, just zoom in on Will right now, too. There you yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really have anything else. You know, there's, there's not really much to talk about, especially considering we went all in on the WGA, which I'm sure nobody was anticipating. I guess the only thing that I would kind of bring up too is that uh, this past Wednesday there was one more era that closed out the uh, the Arrowverse, the Berlantiverse, uh, uh, however you want to yeah. say it. Uh, the Flash ended its nine-season run on the CW. I, lo I love being able to say The Flash ended its run. Um, not, not that I'm gleeful about the show, just the wordplay. And I have to tell you that even though there are 
still certain things I didn't agree with. I think it is something that they handled very, very well, given the the history of this show. Like they started it off just the way I would have hoped as we were in the clouds coming down on the city and Barry is asking us to suspend belief and, and we have to believe the impossible, giving us that classic intro. They gave us classic villains and then they opened up a potential path for the future. So it was it was really great. And I just like want to kind of just take a moment and appreciate yeah. that show because I can definitely say for four of those nine seasons, it was one of the strong, strongest pieces of comic book entertainment that you can find out there. And even as it got sillier or not quite as cohesive as it moved on, it still was one of the most comic book properties that we could see right down to the fact that they the thing i always appreciated about this show's structure is that it would tell the main story and then just like you're reading a comic book there's one extra moment before the credits happen yes. that's kind of like the back page of the comic book leading you into something that may not pay off for three more issues but you're seeing it there so that was a that was a really great show, and I, I thank Grant Gustin and everyone else involved yeah. in that program because yeah. it was just one hell of a run. And yeah. what I would add about you mentioned Grant Gustin at the end, I, you know, we've talked in the past the, the one the, the 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 actors and the people that have made this, you know, the Kevin Feige's, the Kevin Smiths, the the Robert Downey Juniors, the people that have made this what it is. And I think Grant Gustin's right in there, not would say, oh, the guy's an Oscar winning actor <laughs> by any means. I think it's just the fact that you can tell if you follow the guy, if you watch the show, he yeah. cares. He loves the show. He cares about the fans. He takes it seriously. And that's all fans can ask for. Um, mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I, I, I yeah, hats off to that whole show and crew and to, to Grant and company. Um, everything that everything that Will said and more. Yeah. And speaking of hats off, I just want to also say this. Whether you're whether you're just like Will and you don't value <laughs> the Nerd Initiative hat, you can get one from the Nerd Initiative. I knew it was coming. We, I have Voldemort's we, wand. I will use it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, and so so uh, be sure to check out the Nerd Initiative merch store. I have to say it at least once. I'm contractually obligated. Um, and therefore, I am good to go. I can still, you know, work with Michael. Um, but uh, also be sure to check out Will on NetHeads. Um, they Their next show is whenever they feel like it. And um, <laughs> you may see me on one. Um you 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 may not I, I i love being the bearded stand-in for trent and at some point you've got to do an episode where i can be on with trent because i think him and i would get along well because all i need to do is put on a pair of glasses and a, and a, a, a flat-brimmed hat and i think i know why we're friends because you typecasted me so a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. I, th I think what we need to do is first have the episode where you play trent and he plays tony and then <laughs> You know, we, we have the Freaky Friday thing where we get you guys switched back and then you're both on the show. There you go. There That's you just go. me. Ideally, it's every Sunday at 6 p.m. Well, if I do that, then I have to kind of stand it. I have to set it an angle and have like the mic right up to my face because that would be more. You should have the mic right up to your face anyway. Yeah. You oh, oh, 
I, you know, one thing that people are going to tell you about this podcast, other than that guy is really obnoxious, is they will tell you how good I sounded. Take that note. I, Michael, I kid you not. Every time we're playing Fortnite and somebody who's never met Will gets on, the first thing they mention is Will's voice. It's, it's butter. I mean, I will say it is butter. Like, it's absolutely carefully cultivated the moment i realized what i've had i've i have massaged this instrument as well as i can yeah and and it's the only voice that when you get strep it's even better sometimes oh man when i had bronchitis i i added a little i had a little extra gravel to it oh man right i could have been a captain of the enterprise with that voice (laughs) just saying (laughs) well will uh, thank you for for being on with us. We're definitely going to have to have you on. This has been one of the most fun shows um, this well, week. And yeah, absolutely. I always listen. You you don't you don't believe it. I, I there's always, and I think that's the greatest part about this is every single one of us were on this show. You would think that we do what we do because we have like huge egos and we just like to hear ourselves speak. We have the biggest amount of imposter syndrome. Um, that there could be. And so, you know, Michael, Michael, of course, has that little Emmy that he hides behind his hat every once in a while, but little hat stand. Yeah. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not, you, you deserve more. I, I would say this, uh, if you are following nerd initiative and you're not subscribed to NetHeads, you're doing yourself a travesty. Mm-hmm. Um, Will has been working harder than many of us out here. And, I love hearing his takes, so be sure to give him just just take it. Don't don't roll your eyes. Don't look like that. Um, but yeah, thank you, Will, so much for being on. My um, pleasure. And with that said, um, episode three has come to an end. Um, I do want to leave you all with uh, just a, a couple words of wisdom. First of all, um, just like with fandoms, we want to talk about everything out there. Uh, please remember, enjoy what you love, but try something new. Uh, there's a lot of stuff out there. I think the most important piece of advice I can give all of you guys as you're watching is this. 